It's good to be with you, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. And uh, I always enjoy uh, our time together. And um, if you recall the last couple of months, the last couple of times that I have been with you, um, we have looked at the fact that God always answers prayer. And God will always um, speak to us or answer prayer in one of three ways. And we have looked at those. Yes know, and wait. And we have not taken those in that order, but we have uh, looked at uh, the the whole idea of God uh, when he says to our request, maybe at the time, he says no, and what our response is to be uh, when that happens. We also looked um, in uh, last month at uh, when God says wait, and you know, in my way of thinking, and, and perhaps you would agree with me that sometimes that's actually harder than uh, when God says no. Waiting is a hard thing for us as humans. And so we looked at the whole concept of waiting on God and the uh, time, the number of times the psalmist talks about waiting on God, and they are very numerous. Well, today I want to end this uh, with talking about when God says yes, when God says yes. And so I want you, if you have your Bible uh, or on your phone or whatever you're looking at, uh, uh, at it on, uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. And I want to read uh, what I consider a great uh, little passage here. Uh, of course, it's, it's within the context of Peter having been incarcerated. Uh, for the crime of uh, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, we see that he is uh, in jail, uh, and um, we, we are given some details about what was going on within the church uh, or those who made up the church outside uh, of the jail and what, what was going on here. So um, you, most of you are very familiar with this passage, and I want to read Uh, Just uh, a few select verses here, starting in verse 11. Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. And when the When they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning them to motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, Go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. I just love this passage. And, um, you know, as I was thinking about us uh, considering this last part of how God answers prayer, you know, nothing is more blessed 
to uh, believers and more encouraging than answered prayer. And I know that, that all of you on here would agree with that. And like I said, even though God may at, may at times answer no or wait, we must remind ourselves of something I think very, very important. And that is, is that we still have a God that answers prayer. A, we have a prayer answering God. And it's not always in what we might consider the negative or whatever. God answers prayer. And I'll go one, a, another step further with that. God is a miracle-working God as well. He's still working miracles, and we see it all around us. I think, though, that perhaps, uh, you know, we as humans, we're very tempted to focus on the negative rather than the positive. And so maybe we don't uh, view or see or we, it doesn't come to our minds like it should that God is still a miracle-working God, and that's a wonderful thing. And so in this passage, we notice the reaction of God's saints when he answers their prayer. And, and we note some, some positives and some negatives. And also, by the way, with a little, with a little bit of uh, humor uh, in this passage as well, which is one of the reasons why I enjoy it so, uh, so much. And so I want to let, let's just uh, make a few comments and, and, and we'll close out our time here together. But the, one of the first things that I notice here is this, is that they first resorted to prayer in a time of crisis. We notice that the early believers resorted to, to prayer in a time of crisis, and prayer should always be a first resort and not a last-ditch effort on the part of believers. And, and for these believers, they, they may have been praying for um, uh, many, many hours or days uh, before this prayer was answered, but we know they were persistent in their prayer. And when the crisis moment came uh, in, into their lives with one of their leaders being put into prison, what did they resort to? They resorted to prayer. You know, what they didn't do was um, uh, go to the city hall and uh, start picketing. Uh, they did not go and, um, you know, start writing uh, letters uh, and all those kinds of things. What did they do? They gathered for prayer because they knew how powerful that really is. And so I, I hope that we, and I know that you, all of you on here, you're here because you believe in the power of prayer. And that's a good thing. And I want us to always be mindful of that fact. Sometimes I get the impression for some that, you know, well, I don't know what to do, so I'll just pray about it. And it almost becomes a, a, a secondary afterthought when for us, it should be our first line uh, of defense. It should be our first resort to which we retreat is a, a prayer and a prayer time. And so they resorted to prayer. And, and, and by the way, I think this is one of the reasons why the early church was so successful. Perfect? Certainly not. But they were very successful, as, as is recorded in the book of Acts. Here's the, here's the second thing that we notice in reading this passage, and that is they gathered in corporate prayer. Uh, and so by meeting together in prayer, they were, they were encouraging and building up one another in the faith. And again, I know that I'm preaching to, uh, or uh, I, I'm challenging, I, I'm not really preaching, but, um, or I'm trying not to, but 
Uh, you know, I, I'm with a bunch of uh, believers here today, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are here because you see and you know the importance of prayer and gathering. And, you know, it just does my heart good every time I'm able to be with you to see uh, this ongoing consistency of the attitude of prayer. And, and I will say this, folks, it's becoming a rare commodity. And uh, it, it's a shame that more people don't. In fact, I would say this. In the United States, the midweek prayer service uh, is on the brink of extinction. Uh, we talk about how important prayer is. We talk about how significant it is and how vital it is for us uh, as a church body and, and believers. And yet, uh, it, it, it is that which is dying, at least in our country. And I, I don't quite understand why that would be. Um, we could probably delve into some uh, reasons, but we don't have the time uh, to go into that, that today, and that's not our topic. But we need to look for uh, moments and times where we can gather in prayer, like we're doing here. But it doesn't have to be in a big group. We need to look for opportunities to pray with others uh, uh, on at, at every turn and at every time that we we can. We need to look for opportunities to pray with our brothers. You know, one of the things that sometimes people look to us and uh, they'll say, well, I'm going through this, I'm struggling with this, and we don't have the answers. And even as a pastor, I've had to tell people, look, I don't know all the answers, but I will do this. I'll, I'll pray with you. And you know what? What a wonderful thing that is when we can take a person and we can together go into the throne room of God's grace and find help in time of need. And so I want to encourage all of us here to look and be sensitive to those moments. The early church put a premium uh, on prayer as, as we do here. And, and, and I want to encourage us to keep on keeping, keeping on doing this very thing. The other third thing is, which I think is uh, rather interesting, is that they were surprised when their prayer was answered. They were surprised when their prayer was answered. This little girl, girl, Rhoda, she comes to the door, of course, and what I think is a little humorous was that she, she recognized his voice, and she was so excited by that fact that she left him standing on the doorstep. And she goes to the other people, and she explains what was going on and what happens. Well, the other believers, they refuse to believe. You know, they make statements like, oh, well, you're beside yourself. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's his angel. So they had more faith in superstition than they did the actual answered prayer itself. And so that's part of the negative here uh, that we find. And, you know, it's a shame that sometimes when we pray to the Lord, we, we may say the words, but in our hearts, the question is this. Are we praying in faith believing? You know what? That's important. And I think that's significant that we pray in faith, believing. And then the scripture says that poor old Peter standing there by himself, uh, trying to, to get in, he kept on knocking. And uh, I like what one uh, preacher said. He said, God could get Peter out of the prison, but Peter couldn't get himself into a prayer meeting. And, uh, you know, that's, that's very interesting. And uh, poor old Peter was trying to get into a prayer meeting and he, and he couldn't. 
Well, eventually, of course, we know that he was let in. And when the believers saw him, here's another interesting thing. They saw the answered prayer personified standing there physically in Peter, and they were astonished. They were astonished. And my point is this, is, and I ask us this question, when God does say yes, why are we surprised? Why are we surprised? It re- we really shouldn't be. It's kind of like the song that we sing, the gospel song. We sing, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. The, that, those words have always bothered me a little bit because what it intimates is that we're surprised when we start counting our blessings. In other words, maybe we're not doing it enough. We shouldn't be surprised at God's blessings. We shouldn't be surprised at God's answered prayer because he's a prayer answering God. And so, you know, uh, we, we learn even from the negative here uh, with these saints that we shouldn't be surprised when, when, when God does what we ask him to do. And that's part of the challenge here. And so, again, um, what are the principles that we learn? Well, we learn that prayer is a first priority, not a last resort. Number two, we should be constantly looking for opportunities to pray with others. And number three, we must always pray in faith believing. And we need to remember this, folks, when we do that, that God alone can do the extraordinary, but his people must do the ordinary. And I'm not, I'm not using that word in the negative sense, where prayer isn't an ordinary thing, but it is part of our life. It's part of our duty. It's part of what we should be doing as a Christian. So God alone can do the extraordinary. We must be consistent in the ordinary, and we will be witnesses to great things. Let me just share something real quick about this. We have seen this in our own church in the last two months, and I don't want to give too many details because of privacy concerns, but we had a couple of individuals who were in a very bad car accident. In fact, one of them was uh, in a coma and not expected to live, and so our church in the last two months or more has really gone into uh, earnest, deep praying mode. The prognosis for this one individual was not good, but I want to brag on my congregation a little bit and commend them in that uh, they began praying in faith believing, despite what the doctors were saying. And I'm glad to report that this individual just last week went home. Uh, and God has miraculously healed. God has done a great work when, the, when, when, when all, all of the signs, humanly speaking, uh, did not look good at all. And so one of the things I want to share with you is how wonderful and how uniting, how re- joyful this has been uh, in our own congregation. Uh, and and it, it has just been a wonderful thing to see. I'm so thankful that our young people especially have been eyewitnesses and ear witnesses to all of this. It has strengthened them. And so, you know, it has just reminded me once again, even as a pastor, that we have a God who is a prayer answering God. The, the uh, 
Puritan Thomas Watson said, the angel, he fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. And so again, God, he, he hears us folks, and that's such a great privilege. Now, I'll just end with this. It's very appropriate that Peter himself, in his epistle, he wrote in the first part of uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 12, he says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and listen to this, and his ears are open to their prayers. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I, I wonder if Peter, in writing that, was recollecting the time when he stood on the doorstep as people were praying. Well, maybe he did. But folks, we have a wonderful, good prayer answering God. And may he bless you.